Hey everyone, uh, today's podcast is, uh, we wanted to really be quick talking about the Wes Wright issue, who's a BYU football player, and that he'd sent a Tinder message uh, to, a, to a female that was, uh, he's getting a lot of backlash for it, and we kind of discussed what was said, how it was received, the backlash he's getting, kind of what BYU's role should be in all that, and just kind of what our thoughts are overall. Uh, cancel culture, we kind of talk about that. And then we don't actually start with that. We start with some other random kind of topics, uh, some big news. Uh, NCAA football is coming back. I, I had a thought about eating different cultures' food and how kind of it, is, it was just a weird epiphany that probably means I'm an idiot, which wouldn't be the first time that realization has been made. Um, but we really wanted to cover this because it was timely, so we, we want to put it out there. Um, I do have a couple other episodes with some, uh, with some guests that I've already done. But I've not published yet uh, because I just really wanted to get this episode specifically out there because of its timely nature, just and to get put our thoughts together because it's very curious what they're going to do with this West Wright situation. So we thought maybe we'd hit that now, but later on you should be expecting episodes that I'll have with other guests coming up for sure. Anyway, hope you enjoy this one and hope you're all having a great week. I don't like Utah. In fact, I hate them. I hate everything about them. I hate their program. I hate their fans. I hate everything. So it felt really good to send those guys home. Killer for Dad has become a big-time college basketball star at BYU. That's one of my lyrics in the song. There couldn't be a, a prouder older brother than Carlino, me. a bounce to Haas. Haas posting up short corner right to the middle. Fades away. Got it! Gotta watch the three. When you're doing what's right on and off the field, uh, I, I think the Lord steps in and, and uh, plays a you know plays a part in that magic happens. Okay, Chase, we just got some sort of breaking news that I want to cover here in a bit. But before we get to that, we'll kind of go over a couple other things that are just kind of little noteworthy, little newsy. Um, I'm specifically talking about, obviously, the West Wright stuff from BYU football and kind of the allegations against him and everything going on there. BYU statement got picked up by the Daily Mail we've seen. Um, anyway, we'll get to that. But um, I wanted to run this thought by you really quickly. I was This came to me the other day, and this is probably going to be deemed re- very racist. I don't think it is when you really think about what I'm saying. Why do... Like, why, why does eating foods from other cultures, like ethnic foods, generally require us to eat like other cultures? So you're like, in other words, when I eat sushi, why is it not just acceptable, but, like, I'm, in, I'm invited to do it with chopsticks? Like, why do I have to eat them with chopsticks? <laughs> or, like, when I'm eating pho, like, I have to have that weird-shaped plastic spoon in order to do it, and, like, using a fork is taboo. So, I mean, I, I like the food, and I love the culture it comes from. Like, I'm all about that. But why do I have to eat it the way they do? Because I'm pretty happy with my fork and spoon that I have here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're clearly the more advanced civilization that we have better utensils. But I, I, I for one, am actually grateful for that because I feel like if I was using a fork to eat sushi, I would slam that thing so fast my date would be on her second roll and I would be done. So I think... In that respect, it's a, it's a good thing. It makes you slow down a little bit, enjoy the meal. But I agree that as far as the logic behind it, uh, it's just almost us being self-indulgent and pretending we're a part of that culture or something. I don't know. It's weird. 
is it possible that like Japanese and Chinese like Asian cultures that eat you know food that we're mentioning sushi in particular which is primarily Japanese origin I believe is it possible they actually knew what forks were and had invented them a while ago but they're like listen we need to pace ourselves we're eating this too quickly so maybe let's just use these two wooden sticks make <laughs> it a little bit more difficult to grab it and that way you well, know what we'll blows, just, what we blows, won't stuff ourselves too quickly what blows my mind is what on earth are they doing eating just straight rice with sticks like, what is going that, on? There? I don't even know how they do it. That to me is like mind blowing. Like, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I don't ever want to try and imitate it, but I'm very impressed with that. <laughs> I, I wonder what they think about us using spoons. Like, if they have some sort of condescending attitude, like it's we're. Wait, do you do you eat a spoon? Do you use a spoon to eat your rice? You don't you use a fork. Yeah, I do use a fork. Everybody uses a fork. You weirdo. What, what are you What are you stabbing with the fork? It's It's like eating ice cream. Do you, eat, do you eat ice cream with a fork? <laughs> no, it's not eating ice cream. Ice cream's, ice cream is, is everybody eats ice cream with a spoon. But what? Are I you, don't but, really know of a person that uses a spoon to eat rice. No, no, you're insane here, man. A fork. The whole point of the fork is the stabbing mechanism of of the sharp ends of the fork to penetrate things like meat and vegetables that are not going to rest inside the cave of a spoon very well. I think you're insane. No, if it's clumped rice, though, dude. I don't eat, like, the rice I eat is, like, never really that grainy. Uh, regardless, I, 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 we're not going to agree on this, but you're just wrong. And I, even if everyone who listens... I got to appeal to our, some of our listeners. <laughs> we, yeah, have, we have some feedback. We actually, I don't know if you knew this, but we have some, we have some reviews on the podcast. Oh, wow, I have not looked at those yet. People... I didn't even know they were there until recently, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, we are honestly very undeserving of these reviews. They're way too nice. The, and, the, and the people that took the time to give them, I was just like, wow, what, what amazing people. We, we are five out of five rated, by the way. Nice. Is, and these aren't our moms, are they? We have probably, but <laughs> three, three reviews. Okay, I'll take it. Three reviews. I'll take it. But they're too nice to read on the air. I don't. I feel like I'm a little bit too uh, self-indulgent doing that. If we got if we got ripped on in some reviews, I would definitely read those on the air. I would definitely share those because I think that's hilarious. As long as we got five stars and a a, uh, a review that just freaking killed us, just freaking murdered us, I'd be all about it. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I think I, be hilarious. I, I don't uh, want to get low stars though. Nobody likes low stars, right? Uh, honestly, I kind of enjoy being hated to a degree, almost in a sick way. Like, I, I don't think I'll be happy till we. <laughs> well, I knew that. Till I see a one star review on there, I, I kind of wanna. I wanna know that I'm pissing someone off. Okay, idiot. Don't re- don't encourage people to put one star. <laughs> okay, on. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just hypothetically. Yeah, in real life, give us a five star. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to appeal to some of our listeners, uh, if they would, if they would be so kind to let us know if you eat eat rice with a fork or a spoon that that to me is fascinating because now we have this actual debate going on anyway we got to move on from this though we spent way too much time on that i just i just had that thought i'm like can i eat their food without having to eat adopt the way they eat their food because that to me might that might be a stretch sometimes i don't know but anyway um big news though did you see that ncaa football uh looks like it's coming back ea sports is reviving ncaa football the game our favorite game ever 
No question. It's my favorite video game I've ever played. Oh, yeah. Hands down, by far. No no competition. Oh, the, the memories from our childhood, just wasting hours and hours of our summer indulging in that game. I mean, yeah, that's that, that's big news. I'm excited for it. I'll probably, I'm not a gamer, but I might uh, have to play a few video games when that comes back. I'm not a gamer either. I don't know if I can bring myself to, to revive it and play it. I don't even have a system anymore, but I don't know if I have it in me to do this. But yeah, I mean, the you're right. The hours wasted. No joke. You and I would play this game until like 7 or 8 a.m. And then finally, no joke, it'd be like 8.30 a.m. to be like, maybe we should get some, maybe we should take a nap. Should we take a nap? Yeah, okay, let's take a nap. So we'd like take a nap and wake up at 11.30 and do it again for a few hours. Well, and and the, here's the thing. The way we played, I think, is kind of mind-blowing. Like, I, in fact, I feel like we could be, we could be studied psychologically and there would be some interesting phenomena that would appear from it that, that, that the scientists would be able to extract because you and I would hardly even actually play the game. We'd, pl- we'd play the game plenty, but then when we would do these sleepovers where we'd spend all night playing, and I put that in quotes, playing the game, we would do this thing where we were coaches and we would be on dynasty mode and we'd just recruit. That's all we'd do. We'd recruit and then we'd simulate the season. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd play in the same dynasty, so our teams would play each other. That's all we would do. It was like, gener- like honestly, we were playing The Sims. We were playing The Sims, but with college football. Oh yeah, it was it was pathetic. And there was there was one occasion where we had simulated like five or six seasons, and we had like the two best teams in the country. And I had a quarterback whose yeah, stats. I remember were like, you. You were like you weren't you Texas A and M. I feel like you were Texas A and M. Yeah, that, that sounds right. And I had this quarterback who was like ninety eight or ninety nine overall. And I think he was ninety nine. Yeah, yeah dude, he, we we only recruit. We didn't recruit lower than ninety. We were we were we were the Nick Sabans. We we really, honestly, we did wonders for our resume. I felt like I was actually accomplishing something very real, and I and I still kind of do to this day. But yeah, so so I have this quarterback, and we played each other in the game. And I remember I was running a sweep to the left, and I got down to like the two yard line. You tackle me, uh, you I fumble the ball. It was like end of the game. This was the this is the play of the game. I fumble it. You recover it. Win the game. My quarterback gets injured for the season, and I was so pissed off in that moment. I had to break something, and so I looked around, and the only <laughs> the only thing there was to break was the remote control to my TV, and I just took it. And I just whipped it as hard as I could across the room, and it flew like a frisbee, and just shattered into a million pieces against the wall. And uh, <laughs> I had to explain that one. I to definitely my... remember that. <laughs> I remember having to explain that one to my dad, and that didn't go over well. You probably um, blamed it on me, you jerk. I probably did. Um, but yeah, that, <laughs> that was a... Harper got really ticked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were good times. Dude, and then there was another time. There was another time when uh, I like you'd get to the point after you like recruited everybody, and then your roster was you had more than a hundred guys on your roster, so you had to make some cuts, and uh, you you know you'd have the pep talk with your guys, and you felt really bad to let anybody go, but if they had a rating that was below like seventy four, there was just no spot for them on the team. We just couldn't have that. And then accidentally, and I swear to this day it was an accident. I accidentally cut your quarterback who was like a ninety nine. <laughs> and and then you deliberately cut mine oh yeah oh, i had to get i had to get even well it got it got to the point where it got it got so easy that we had to start being these ridiculous teams like ball state or whatever it was to 
to make things like spice it up again. So we'd have to like start from the bottom and work your way up. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's back, baby. But here's the thing: there's a couple new rules with this new NCAA football. Apparently, um, players can vote on whether to play in the bowl game, and you can violate NCAA rules as a coach while also risking getting sanctioned by the NCAA. I like the sound and of that. Your, and your conference can abstain from playing um, in the name of virtue signaling because they don't want to spread a virus. Oh, you, can, you can just press the COVID button and uh, you don't play the game. It sounds, it sounds very 20 No, you don't press it. They press it for you. Yeah. So watch out. Maybe don't start a dynasty with like Ohio State, Michigan, USC. Kind of stay away from those. No, I'm just kidding. Those are none of those things are true actually. But that'd be hilarious if they were, and I wouldn't <laughs> be that surprised if they were. Yeah, you know, like it, tell, it tells anyway, you the reason. They, that, it, tell, it tells you the reason your player's injured, and it's because of COVID, not not because of a uh, elbow bursitis <laughs> or something. Yeah, they're gonna you're gonna have roster issues because you have too many players that are. That that uh got that tested positive for COVID, so you have to forfeit a week or whatever. You postpone it, postpone, which means you never play it again. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, twenty twenty one coming in hot, dude, with the big news. That really is big news. I felt like they're bringing it back, and then you have all those guys like, I think Darren Ravel right away on Twitter was like, well, what's I mean, it's only gonna matter if like their likeness is taken care of and all that stuff and basically talking about like what about the players don't forget about them it's like yeah you think ea sports would just like wait 10 years and be like maybe everybody forgot about the fact that we didn't pay these players forever and we could just kind of revive it and sweep it under the rug and not have to address paying them again yeah dude (laughs) yeah i'm sure ea sports didn't think that through when they decided to come back with the game anyway freaking karen Ravel. um all right, moving on. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So the big breaking BYU news is on this West Wright player, who, by the way, a friend of mine, who I believe has listened to the podcast a couple times, notified me that there's this TikTok going around that this girl called out, or maybe I should say woman. I might get, I might get totally discredited if I call her a girl. But she's a woman. She's Girl is sexist. <laughs> and uh, she, I believe, goes to Dixie State. Anyway, um, matches with the BYU player on Tinder, which we'll get to that in a second. But a player named Wes Wright from Manti, transfer from Snow College. When I heard about him, I didn't even know who it was. I... I He's clearly he doesn't play. He never he doesn't like. I think he's played in like. Well, he's the meme guy. He's the guy who did of games. He did that little dance that got caught on TV and it became a meme. Like it's like a gif people use all the time now. He's the guy who did that little fist which, pumping. Which dance was that? The little fist pumping dance. The guy with like the nice hair and he does that little fist pumping dance. You had to have seen it on on Twitter at some point. It's not That's, ringing a bell. He does anyway. have nice hair though. Yeah. You know, for being from Manti, Utah, he sure looks like a surfer, bro. Oh, you, you haven't heard about those waves kind of in Manti? Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. Maybe wake the, surfing. But. Never been to the Mona Rope Swing Man? 
do you want you actually heard that you you do want to grow your hair out from the mono robe swing because you just want to let those locks just like fly behind you in the wind oh yeah i do hear that makes it a lot better so anyway i i watched this video and i don't know the video is like 30 seconds long roughly i don't really know tiktok actually it was like one of my few exposures to that app and it's this woman who goes off saying that West Wright is, uh, like, harassed her. Um, and the message that she kept showing was a message that said, if you don't get your baby murdering ass out of here. And that was in response to her bio, which says that she was pro-choice. And West Wright being a on tinder taking it upon himself to talk about how I, I don't even understand that sentence honestly i'll be i'll be real i don't think i would enjoy talking to this west right guy for longer than two seconds um he doesn't seem like the sharpest guy and <laughs> like in the world and he's on tinder <laughs> yeah by the way tinder most scummy dating app ever. I mean, of all the dating apps, I mean, there's all kinds of dating apps out there, but I would say Tinder is like the bottom of the barrel in terms of the dignity that one might take from being on there. Uh, but yeah, not the most grammatically correct insult I've ever heard. Um, and I don't know, even understand it. Like from a from like just a standpoint, like why does he start with if? If you if you don't get your baby murdering ass out of here, is he does he have another part to? Is there a second part to that message or? It sounds like he's trying to sound uh, like I don't a, know. He's trying to sound like a white rapper, or something like that. It's a little weird. Yeah, but could uh, be. I I have a question though. Along your along your point, you bring up a really good point about being on Tinder. What female is on Tinder? Like, how many? What what percentage of the population of females, specifically on Tinder, would you say are on there trying to find like a genuine relationship? With all the dating apps out there, like on Tinder, the ones that are on Tinder, what percentage are actually looking for a genuine relationship? Oh, I tend, I, I can't imagine any good genuine relationship still come out of Tinder. Uh, t- Tinder seems like a the one you're most likely to get catfished on. B, the one that the vast majority of people are looking for one thing and one thing only, and we don't even have to say what that thing is because it's so obvious. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, I I don't know what what on earth anyone would be doing on that app anymore, but whatever. Not to say that, like, I I mean, I don't want to imply at all that, like, oh, you know, you have it coming when you're on Tinder. But in a way, like, Tinder is so trashy. Like, I honestly was kind of surprised Tinder even still existed. It was the OG dating app on your phone, for sure. The swipe left, swipe right thing, that's all from Tinder. And then it took like five minutes, and there were already way better dating apps out there. There were safer ones. There were just different dynamics that either facilitated like a better conversation or gave kind of like gave the balance of power a little bit better to both parties being involved. Like, I don't know. I, I. I, well, the Tinder and, thing just kind of throws me for and sure. I don't think a lot of the older generation understand how trashy Tinder is because they they got out of the dating game like before any of this stuff was around. 
so they just think of tinder like the generic dating app but no it's it's trashy man it's a trashy ass app so yeah so that's problem number one that speaks right away we're just kind of like what why tinder but problem number two is that this this woman her name's stephanie on her TikTok video, she comes out and she shows screenshots of that message over and over and over again. No joke, she shows it like six times. And I'm sitting here the whole time watching this, waiting for there to be follow-up messages and um, other things, like other indications that the guy's a total scum or whatever. And don't get me wrong, that's not a nice thing to say to anyone, especially people you don't know. And and if, if he's just trying to be like, funny or banter or whatever it's it's very poor form like you can't really excuse that but at the same time like she's making this point that like byu needs to come down on this guy i don't like i don't know if she's officially said that she should like they should kick him off the team but she's like she called the honor code office and then she like followed up and was like are you gonna let me know if you do anything and they're like no we're you're done like we we appreciate the report but we're not gonna like give you we're not going to tell you what the outcome is. Like, the honor code has always done that. The honor code office has always kept things yeah. close to the vest in that regard. I'm kind but, of an, I'm kind of annoyed they're like even she, indulging her in the first place, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we live in a world where you can't really just ignore things these days, I feel like. So I kind of understand their response, but I'm not... But I kind of go back and forth on that as well, because at the same time, like, I don't know what the threshold is. Like, are they really going to have to start monitoring all the all these college boys and they are boys i don't care if i come across as uh the whatever the river like opposite of misogynist is the these they're kids i was a college kid before i i said very stupid stuff i thought i was being funny i thought i was being witty i thought i was being cool i can only imagine how that all gets magnified being on a football team with a bunch of other idiots i mean it's groupthink at its worst right you're all talking about these dates you've been on and these girls you've hooked up with and everything like that and everybody's trying to one-up each other it just becomes it, it becomes a cesspool of hubris all for the wrong reasons um but her approach like I, what i don't understand is how that message alone is worthy of him being like like it's not nice but is that the threshold we're gonna set like if any any time any byu student maybe or maybe it only is going to apply to athletes says a message that's not nice because here's the thing. It actually has nothing to do with gender. Like, he's not specifically coming down on her from being a male to a female. Because, quite frankly, you can't you can't actually talk about abortion and say it's a male-female issue. It's, I mean, if 50% of the women in the country, which they are about 50% of the females in the country, are pro-life, then you can't say it's a, a gender issue on its face. So take that out of it. He's not being necessarily misogynist. He's being a jerk, but he's not being a misogynist. Um, he's he's coming at her pretty heavily. There were no other messages that she cited. In fact, I was thinking about it. I could maybe get away with citing the same citation in a paper in undergrad six times, <laughs> but I couldn't in my ma in my masters in my, any of my graduate programs that I've been in. If I cited the same author of a paper six times then my professors would have failed me in that for that paper. I mean it's just it's just not well done. It just seems very like contrived that she's really just looking for an opportunity to make a statement and she found one and she's shoehorning it in to our society right now because she's just 
I don't know. I don't know what her point is or her goal. Maybe she wants to be famous. Maybe her goal is to be in the Daily Mail. I don't know. But it seems very forced. I just don't I don't get it. Well, I and to your point, I mean, I had to watch the, the video two or three times because I kept waiting for the punchline. And then I realized, no, it was just that one message. But, I mean, let's let's give her some credit. Uh, the, the guy, I mean, it was an asshole comment. And we've, we've made that clear. We're not defending what he said. We're not saying that's a cool thing to say. Uh, it was an asshole comment. No, no, neither of us are saying that. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I, you know, the way to respond to an asshole comment, you, you have a few options. You can proportionally, and I state, I stress that word, proportionally respond as an asshole. Uh, option two is to make light of what they said with some form of witty humor. And then option three is to ignore them, which is pretty effective in and of itself. And I, I just want to know, what, what the hell has happened to proportionality of response to these kind of things. Like, if I punch a guy in the face, I do that knowing that the most likely outcome is he's going to try to punch me back in the face. And it's we live in a, a give-and-take world where you understand that the, you know, Newton's laws apply, and whatever you do, you're going to get a proportionate response back. You know, if I make fun of your nose, you're going to make fun of my ears. But what what happened to that making fun of someone's nose getting met with a shotgun in the face i mean what, i don't understand the the vindictiveness and just the resentment you have to have that someone takes a shot at you and your initial your just your default response is to try to ruin their life i i, I just cannot relate to that and i'm a i'm a pretty hot-headed guy i can get pretty fired up i get easily riled up but it's just it wouldn't occur to me in a million years to try to ruin somebody's life to contact their employer or contact their school and it's just you know even if we can't live in a world where we live by the rules of proportionality of of responses when someone trespasses on you you try to trespass back on them in a proportional way even if we can't respect our fellow human beings in that way at least have enough self-respect to not be the little kid on the playground tattletelling on your on your schoolmates as an adult for the rest of your life, you pathetic loser. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's a fair fair question. Proportionality of response. I mean, he yeah, he's being a dumb kid. But I don't. I guess you can help answer that question with what her goal is. Like, it's her goal to radically change all dumb college kids. Or is she holding BYU football players to a higher standard because of the honor code? I'm not sure why she's made herself kind of the referee of who violates the honor code. I mean, there's there's a lot of relativity to how the honor code gets interpreted anyway. So I'm not I'm not sure what her I, I, if she can clearly define her goal, which I do think there was somewhere that I saw that. I don't know if it was her or if it was somebody else that was kind of defending her and pushing that agenda as well that had said they don't want him to, like, get kicked off the football team, but they would like an apology. And it's like, why? Why do you want <laughs> like, some for- why do you want some forced, <laughs> contrived apology? What is that accomplishing? Yeah, when you demand it publicly like this, that has got to just plummet the meaningful aspect of any apology. I, I uh, feel like pe- I, people who demand apologies they get off on just forcing people to do stuff. Like they, they get off on watching people have to obey their commands. It's some sort of like authority complex. It's bizarre. There's a weird psychology there. Yeah, and I get that a, a major part of 
what I had heard too, and I haven't actually really like seen any other evidence of this. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but there, a lot of what her uh, point in doing this, I guess, is that she was she was saying that she was speaking up for her friends who are scared to report sexual harassment and sexual violence, which we know happens. Um, so I don't know if this is the right way to do that because of its contrived nature. I, I don't see how you could say, oh, he was mean to me over Tinder, so I'm trying to encourage my friends that have been sexually harassed or victims of sexual violence. I don't see how, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm, I mean, granted, a lot of this might be just because I'm not a woman, so maybe I shouldn't even be trying to understand this because I don't know what that's like, but um, anyway, I don't know. It's, like, if if there are more instances of sexual harassment with her friends, then yeah, they should absolutely speak up. If this is somewhat systemic and it's being overlooked, they should absolutely speak up. I think there's a lot of nuance to these things. I don't think it's necessarily black and white. Although um, I would argue I mean, that, and I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and I only say that because we know there have been false accusations thrown out there. Uh, against athletes in particular now do do they match the number of ac- credible accusations that have been thrown out there probably not but the fact that they exist already means like well we i mean it's nuanced right we, we we can't we can't dismiss it there needs to be an investigation to take place to, to to settle all of that but you can't also just have this idea that has been thrown out there before that believe all victims because guess what victims have lied before that's 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 a thing people lie and for whatever reason that may be i don't know but it happens and so it's a you can't just readily accept one side or the other well and this is why the the conflicts between men and women are very complicated because if i have a conflict with another man there's some sort of underlying understanding that if one of us goes too far out of bounds or reaches too far that there's a high probability that's going to escalate to a physical conflict and so there's this joint interest in staying within our lanes or staying in bounds to a degree that it doesn't escalate to that. And if it does, well, the conflict gets resolved by the physical conflict. But between men and women, there's not that, I mean, for good reason, there's not that uh, tension. And as a result, it's a little bit more complicated on how men and women go about resolving their conflicts with each other. And I think throughout history, I mean, women, there's a great case for women that they have been, you know, men have taken advantage of their physical advantage over women to get what they want from them. And not necessarily men as a whole, but individual men throughout history have abused that power time and time again. And it's been a real problem. And one of the great progresses of our society is that we have uh, had a reckoning against that type of abuse. Obviously, it still occurs, but at least we've agreed as a society that's not a world we want to live in where that's accepted. And we've created laws that try to protect women from those types of abuse. Obviously, things slip through the cracks and and people get away with it all the time. But at least we've acknowledged that's that's an abuse of power. And now, with this evolving world with technology, social media and everything, a new form of an imbalance of power has sort of emerged. And that is the power that women can sometimes have over men and their ability to click a button, send out a tweet, take a screenshot, and ruin a guy's life, whereas that power doesn't really work the other way around in the same way. And 
I'm not talking about an organic response to a, a true form of abuse. I'm talking about an, you know, almost a cunning understanding of that power that they have and then premeditatively using that power intentionally to take a shot at ruining someone's well-being or ruining their life. And that, you know, there needs to be some sort in the same way that our society has evolved to have a reckoning against men who abuse their physical advantage over women. There, we're, we're getting to a point where there's going to need to be a reckoning against this cancel culture that is being, uh, that's being used to and it, it's being abused. Uh, it's a real problem and it's not a society I think we want to live in. And even people who are pro-cancel culture or try to defend cancel culture, I don't think they realize that that, that shotgun could turn on them one day and they might be the, the, on the other end of that and the cancel culture is going to come for them. And you got to be real careful if you're going to go promoting that kind of crap. Well, we are starting to see more and more of that. I believe, I, I think this guy's name is Jamie Kilstein. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast before, and he's talked about how he was a part of cancel culture. He said, like, he could not stop looking at Twitter, like he was addicted, because he loved just going after people. And then one day they turned on him. And it wasn't until they turned on him where he's like, he had this realization where he's like, wow, like, I've been terrible to people. Like, this is... Like, there's so much interpretation that goes into this. I mean, we are getting a little tangential into cancel culture, but it is, uh, you're right, there does there will be a reckoning, I would imagine, sooner than later. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. What's your what's your prognostication for this West Wright kid? I, I personally don't think much is going to happen to him. It'll blow over. I think, uh, I think they're probably going to want to make it look like they did something. To, they'll suspend him for the first half of the first game. And he, I don't think he even plays, so I, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the guy's a douchebag, but he's a football player. I mean, what do you expect? Like, football players are douchebags. Like, that's – we know that. Like, we're not going to change that anytime soon. I, 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 don't, I don't – I mean, there's – yeah, I'm sure BYU will try to make it look like they did something, but he, he's not going to – I can't imagine they're going to – I think they will too. Um I don't even think they would have him sit out for a half or a game even. I don't think so. I think there's, there is a proximity to these type of situations. Had this happened like in August, I could see that maybe then being like, well, let's just make it so he sits out the first game. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, but since this is happening in February, January, February, um, I think it'll be for, long forgotten by then. And no joke, that's just how things work. Like, I don't mean to say like that under, like I don't mean to say that as a way of like undermining any seriousness of any issue. I'm not, I'm saying that as broad on a broad level, not just for this specific instance. That's just how things work, like the news cycle and everything. But um, I I think there will be a statement. Like BYU has already said they're looking into it. I think BYU football may have to come out with a formal statement. Um, and it will have to say something like, we do not condone that behavior. And we are trying to cultivate a culture in the locker room of respect and um, love and whatnot and everything like that. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, just very hot PR terms. But yeah, at the end of the day, like, I don't think I don't think much will happen to him. And and ultimately, that's kind of what I think should happen, because I don't I don't believe this kid. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what's proportional 
I guess. Yeah. Sorry. What were you saying? Well, no, I, I'm just I'm so tired of statements. I, like I, I, we have, we've already had to hear every company give us a COVID statement like 17 times. I, I these everyone everything's a statement, a reaction to this. Every time there's a current event that's controversial, every company has to send you an email about their position on on that whatever happened. It, it's just it's getting so out of control. The PR world and and how it's, at the end of the day. People just need to get out of each other's business and let's just live our lives and resolve your own conflicts for crying out loud. We're all adults. If someone says something mean to you, deal with it on your own. You don't need to create a public spectacle of it every time. Amen to that. Yeah. I could agree with that for sure. All right. Well, now that we've solved that issue, we'll uh, you know we'll have to get this to BYU and make sure they take note of it. And... <laughs> yeah. I do want to end up with one more thing. Give a little teaser. Um, at some point, I want to cover this. It's not now. We don't have time. I'm actually about to sign off here. But um, I came across a book. Uh, this book is is basically like an instruction manual for going to the temple. And I'm not going to say the title because I don't want to out the author. But suffice it to say, we've actually talked about this person before on the podcast <laughs> who has written a book that's called, it, it, it's basically, like, it really is a guide to the temple. It's meant to, like, um, kind of walk, like, give people kind of what their expectations should be going through the temple. So this book is being sold for $35 by the same person who really goes after the church a lot on Twitter, ironically so, and kind of the culture. I, I, I will say that. I have not seen them specifically talk about the church from like a, necessarily from like a gospel perspective at this point, but it's more kind of like organizational and structural and things like that. And it's fascinating to me that they've written a book about how to best be prepared going to the temple. And this is the same person, by the way, that, that actually tweets about, um, literally, I'm reading a tweet from them right now. It says, I recently watched a Karen get kicked out of a restaurant. Her response was, you're treating me like a black person. Yeah, if that's true, that's terrible. Like, that is absolutely terrible. Um, no, no question about it. And then the follow-up tweet was, the restaurant's reply, no, I'm treating you like a white bitch. And the girl tweeting this is applauding it. And this is the author of that book. So I just find that interesting. That she, There seems to be a lot of love. Um, in the way she talks about things and people and whatnot. And then in the meantime, decides to sell uh, an instructional guide to the temple for $35. No joke, $35. Sounds like a truly ins insightful spiritual human being that I, you know, I would definitely want to take advice from her when I prepare to go to the temple. And you're damn right I threw down $35 to buy oh, it, you, dude. You I bought, had to see You it. bought the book? You bought the book? Uh, you know what's funny is when... I was when I was informed about it, I was uh, I was with some friends who had mentioned that to me, and then I saw that it was thirty five bucks, and I was like thirty five bucks. I'm just like, I think there's a whole other conversation to be had here about like when you sell things like this, like where is the line for priestcraft? Like I'm not saying I know it, but I think it's an interesting question to say the least. Like when you're monetizing the gospel in specific ways, you do kind of wonder, and like with what experience too. I don't know, so. Yeah, I bought it because one of my friends was like, I'll, I'll give you half right now if you 
go through that book and talk about it on your podcast. <laughs> so that'll yeah, I think, happen. I think um, the, the only time I've ever spent 35 bucks on a book is a book that was supposed to tell me how to find a treasure chest in the Rocky Mountains, which I didn't find, by the way. But uh, I've never, yeah, that's ridiculous. You just outed yourself as a crazy person. But anyway, yeah, so have I, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, um, good company. Um, I got to give two things that I've noticed right away. I've not been, had the chance to go through the whole thing. I'm not really looking forward to it, I'll be honest. But two things that have pointed out or that have stuck out to me so far. Uh, one of my favorite sections is uh, stop four, recommended bathroom break. And this is going in between like when you start kind of your journey in the temple and before you like take out your endowments it says recommended bathroom break and the first thing that is said is bathroom break at this point i recommend going to the bathroom i know i sound like a mom telling everyone to go last time potty but here's the thing no one told me to go to the bathroom and i had no idea that i wouldn't have easy access to a restroom for the next couple of hours not fun and then there's a couple more paragraphs even about that all about a bathroom break so um, and then, so the, the entire thing is just kind of like taking you through step by step, like how the temple works and taking me like what your stops are. She totally misses the stop when you're in the congregation room before you go into the endowment session room. Like that stop doesn't exist in this book which I think is kind of an important stop, personally. <laughs> like, I think, like, everyone has to go there and wait and, like, just, like, kind of have some reverent quiet time. But it's not well, in there. I, I hope... And I think, I, I think I hope for a book that's touting, like, a, like a, a guide, I feel like should definitely remember that part. So it did make me kind of wonder, like, what? okay, what is the thought process here, or lack thereof? Well, I hope every instructional book I ever read um, assumes I'm not a grown-ass adult that knows how to manage my bowels and bladder on my own, uh, assuming I'm engaging in an activity that's going to take more than an hour. I hope it reminds me to use the bathroom. That's an important part of a book. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe the expectation is that they have this, this, this book in hand bother in the temple and be like oh okay maybe i should go to the bathroom i don't really need to go to the bathroom but i'm being told here that i i should probably just go to the bathroom it's like a road trip just gonna happen maybe she just wants you to read her but book in the bathroom it could be i you know i could see this being a pretty good bathroom book actually <laughs> yeah i what happened to bathroom books by the way that used to be a thing and then phones uh took over and now everyone's uh getting uh feces all over their phones and sharing them with people <laughs> oh is that what they're doing with their phone i wasn't aware i was doing that with my phone dude i don't well, ever look at my phone in the bathroom let's let's put it this you don't look at your phone in the bathroom what do you do in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> just sit there dude <laughs> that sounds boring what were you gonna say i was gonna i was just gonna say like obviously like yeah you're not deliberately placing anything disgusting on your phone but at the same time, if you know a book's been in the bathroom, you're not a big fan of touching that book. Um, especially if it's someone else. whole Seinfeld else's. episode based on that, and it's yeah, incredible. Exactly. Yeah, George bought the book, and they took it in the bathroom, and they wouldn't let him return it. <laughs> the book had been flagged. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. 
That is amazing. <laughs> what is that book doing on that table? <laughs> All right, we've come to a close, but by the time we're setting, we're recording Seinfeld to each other, it goes to signify the very end. But uh, appreciate it. We will cover this. I will go through this more, and we will cover it more. I mean, I was so. What's funny is that we actually had. I, I had other podcasts done with some other friends um, talking about other topics, and then this came up, and I thought this was actually important and timely, very relevant, and I wanted to talk about it so we could get it out as soon as possible. But those other podcasts will still be coming. They're already recorded, um, and so they'll be they'll be released here pretty soon. But anyway, um, just wanted to make sure our thoughts were collected on that. But Chase, you got anything to say? No, I'm all good. Please don't cancel me. All right. Well, appreciate it, man. As usual. Take it easy.